0: Welcome to the Consumed Church weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message, Thanksgiving, part one of a series by Pastor John entitled Recapturing the Gospel. For any further information about this service or the ministries of Consumed Church, you can check us out at theconsumedchurch.com. I'm uh, so thankful for you guys and uh, never been much of one for a building drive or whatever. I remember being younger and going to churches where that seemed kind of taboo or awkward. And, uh, you know, we're not trying to build the kingdom of Consumed Church, but we are trying to build the kingdom of God. And uh, I just sense from the Lord that there is growth, uh, explosive growth going to happen, maybe not tomorrow and maybe not by the end of the year. Uh, but what God is doing here in this church is very special, and um, you're all part of it. You're 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 an amazing family of God, and um, yeah, thank you so much for sewing into the building fund and uh, taking ownership. And because um, we're already seeing just great uh, outpouring of love in that department, so thank you so much. Ah, so who's ready for Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> that means nobody's ready for Thanksgiving. Come on. I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's uh, one of my favorite holidays of the year. I've, I've always enjoyed it uh, even more so, I think, than than Christmas. It's just a, a wonderful time to be with family and to uh, eat way too much. And um, the weather's usually perfect. You know, it's cooling off, but it's not freezing most of the time. So anyways, I love it. I'm I'm, I'm grateful to be able to do that with you guys tonight. I've got Three turkeys are just about thawed out, so when I go home, I'm going to start frying turkey. Last year, we ate two in about 15 minutes, so I thought, okay, we're going to do three this year. Um, so it's been a while since I've been in the pulpit. thats um, It's felt kind of strange to not preach for a month, but uh, anyways, for the next two months, you're going to get lots of Pastor John. Are you all okay with that? Yes. But I feel like directionally the uh, the Lord has put some things on my heart. And uh, today is part one in a series called Recapturing the Gospel. And I think that the Lord has uh, showed me that there is coming a day very soon where this church is going to be discovered um, by, the, by the general public. And people are going to look over at, at us and try to figure out what is it that these people are doing over here that is... Um, producing such great results, not just in uh, your personal lives, but in fruitfulness in ministry. I, I really believe that uh, in our um, stream or our um, flavor of doing church, this Pentecostal flair that we have, it, it almost becomes uh, a given or old hat to jump up and down and say, signs, wonders, and miracles, the outpouring of the Spirit, and really make a lot of noise about it. Uh, but then when you look around, we we may have amazing services where we really get moved or touched, uh, but we're not seeing a whole lot of that necessarily on the outside. When we leave here, uh, does does that life of God that spills all over us, does that actually impact the world? And uh, the Lord's really been speaking to me about that and saying that, you know, a lot of that has to do with the way in which we understand, the way in which we uh, participate, so to speak, in the gospel, and so I've been challenged to uh, talk about what what the gospel is and what it's not, and really to give us a better understanding um, of our relationship to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and so you probably don't uh, hear me use the words gospel too much. That's not a, a word that often rolls off my tongue. You've probably not heard me preach about the gospel. And I think that in the American church, our relationship to the gospel, uh, it tends to gravitate towards this news that, uh, Christ has, uh, set me free. He's forgiven my sins, that I am now free of guilt and I can be in fellowship with my Heavenly Father. And, and that's really good version of telling the story of the gospel. But I want to deepen and broaden. I think that m- most of our understanding about the gospel is kind of like when you have a kid. When you have a kid and their concepts of things are, are very basic. When, when your child is maybe two years old, you begin to show them what blue so that they begin to associate uh, color with something like you put a crayon in their hand. and get them to scribble on a piece of paper and you teach them blue. And they say, oh, that's blue as opposed to red. Or you start to identify shapes, right? You, you take cow, goes moo, you know, or you have a picture of a cow and they can point from the different animals because you're teaching them what stuff means, right? And so like a fish, basically a child would know what the basic outline and design of a fish is, right? Well, there's a difference between that and when your kids begin to grow up and you take them to the Caribbean and you throw them overboard, have you ever been to the Caribbean and seen how blue the water is? And they experience blue like they never have in their life. And then you say, fish. <laughs> and they see a fish. Are we getting the pictures? There you go. That's a shark. These are actually some of our home photos, you know, that we, uh, our collection, family collection. Last Christmas, we went to Belize and went scuba diving. But yeah, where you where they it's a difference between knowing the shape of the fish and actually interacting and seeing the fish swim by and their eyeballs following you when they go by, touching and experiencing and I feel like our relationship to the gospel that God wants to challenge us in this way that instead of pointing at shapes and abstract colors that the Lord wants to take us into an experience of the gospel itself, and so that's what this next series recapturing the gospel because. What we tend to think of as the gospel uh, is all pieces of the gospel and almost shapes and colors of the gospel, but not necessarily the gospel itself. Is anybody tracking with me? Okay. And then uh, today we're going to talk about Thanksgiving because we're actually celebrating Thanksgiving, so I'm throwing a little Thanksgiving in there. Is that a deal? So what is the gospel? How many people know what the gospel means? Oh, come on. Two hands. Come on. You all know what the gospel means, right? You've heard it in Bible school. It means good news, right? Everyone knows that part that much, right? Good news. And so when we use the word gospel, uh, often we preach it that it's good news. And don't we say things like if it's not good news, that's probably not the gospel. So that if you preach it in a way that is bad news, that's not very favorable. So if somebody's given you a, a a bunch of shame and a bunch of uh, guilt and all that sort of thing. Then you know it's it's not seen as that's not good news. All right. The thing about the gospel is that it's a very specific kind of good news. In a very specific context. Historically, we think that gospel. Every time you hear the word gospel, you think maybe Elvis or something. You know it. No, you you think of. Christian stuff, right? Anything Christian, we lump up and throw it into this box that we call the gospel. Um, when in reality, prior to Christianity, a gospel, uh, the word, the Greek word for gospel is euangelion. And it was a very common uh, thing to have a gospel. A gospel, the good news, specifically the good news, was framed in being delivered by a herald, someone who would proclaim and announce, guess what? Good news is coming. The world's fixing to change. And it was always preceded uh, being taken over, people group, your landmass being taken over by a ruler. So whether you are uh, Alexander the Great or uh, Caesar Augustus or Nebuchadnezzar or whoever, that from the history of mankind, there's always been this announcing that would take place first. So that when someone would come ahead of time and say, brace yourself, because a new order is coming. A whole new way of life is almost here. And it has everything to do with this ruler and his magnificent, excellent rulership and his ability to Capture all of human resources, all of natural resources, all of human uh, efforts and advances and growth, and actually put it together, organize it in such a way that will bring you peace, uh, will bring you prosperity, will bring you the the correct way to live. Are you all tracking with me? That announcement is what is actually a gospel. And so it's like a guy with a megaphone standing on the street and telling you everything's about to change. So when we talk about preaching the gospel and when we see the word gospel in the New Testament, it's referring to that. Except for it's not about Caesar and it's not about Alexander the Great. So I want to talk about the necessity of a gospel. Why is that actually Necessary, why would someone need to go ahead of the wave that's coming before the troops and the uh all the uh, other accoutrements of the culture show up and begin to physically take over? It's important because people have the decision at that point whether to get on board internally and embrace this new change. And pay tribute, so devote everything that they have, paying taxes as part of that, but to actually pay to the new regime homage and begin to adapt. You know, you think about when the gospel first, uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ first began uh, through John the Baptist and then Jesus himself. What was the word? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And it is basically get your life in order with what's about to happen because everything is going to change. Now see, the way that we have understood the American Gospel, even when we say those words, we may not fully grasp what has happened in and through Jesus Christ and His coming Kingdom. Nor do we have our hopes accurately tuned to understand what our, <laughs> what implications that has on us. And I think that the, the message of the gospel is timeless and it still speaks to us today. Our hope is still the same as they had 2,000 years ago when the gospel began to be preached. Uh, and so we're going to unpack this for the next several weeks. A gospel announcement was an invitation to surrender your will and way of life, to pay tribute, to allow your resources and progress to serve the new world order that was coming upon you. It was a ruler's way of capturing or summing up all things under their control and for their glory. Hmm. So gospel, euangelion. It's a couple of different ways that it's spelled, but that's really where we get evangelical and evangelism all come out of that word euangelion. Do we have the... There you go. It's the glad tidings of the kingdom of God soon to be set up and subsequently also of Jesus Messiah, the founder of this kingdom. And so when you think about that, that for (laughs) I'm going to skip Colossians one six and come back to that. Understanding the necessity of a gospel, we must first understand what it means that God made man in his image. So we're talking about the the imagio day. I said that right. Is that how you say it, Alan? Imagio Dei. It's it's the idea that man was made in God's image. And so, um, Imagio Dei is not only descriptive, but it's prescriptive. So image bearing is not a title. It's not that we look like God with fingers and toes necessarily. It's that it's a calling. It's a vocation to be made in God's image. And the gospel and man's desire to preach whatever gospel, really originated with the way that God made us because He made us in His image. So I want to look at Genesis uh, chapter 1 where we see this. Verse 27 through 29. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, I love that there's three thems. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. So God's image... We can see a lot in this passage or these few scriptures about what it means to image God. This is where the first time where we're announced to this idea that we were made in his image. There it is. So God's image is assignment centered. Blessed through relationship. Bountifully supplied and authority based. There's a lot of ways in which we can talk about the Imagio Dei. A lot of ways that we... Okay, here's a big word. Anthropology, not too big of a word, but it's how we understand man and what that has to do, the origins of man. What's that word, Alan? Anthropogenesis? To use a few big words. But th- those are those are words about how we understand how God has actually made us. And you can go to church in some places and they'll tell you that Man is a worm. And that we're just lucky to be here. And that we're all just waiting because we're so wretched. We're just waiting under the grace of God to be rescued from this planet. I'm here to tell you that you can look right here in the first chapter of the book and see that that can't quite possibly be the right way to see things. Okay? Look very carefully at these couple of verses. God's image is assignment-centered. Hope y'all appreciate the. Is that, was that an acronym? Uh (laughs) Okay, you got it now. (laughs) Had to get cute. Uh, God's image is assignment centered. He says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill. It's creatively purposeful that you are created with purpose. He didn't just say, take up space, breathe my free oxygen. I may or may not be good to you. No, he gave us purpose from the very beginning. Assignment centered. Blessed through relationship. Did you catch that part? That none of us actually are image bearers apart from one another. We're not independent. I'm made in God's image. We're made in God's image. Because God is a community. He's a family. Isn't that amazing? If you drop down a couple verses, which I don't have it up there, but He said, let us make them in our image. After our likeness. So that... If there's, if you're at a place in your life where you're an island, I'm telling you, get in relationship. It's God's heart always has been for us to operate and be blessed in relationship. It was actually them that He blessed. Adam had already been there and he said, oh, that's not good for him to be alone. When He created Eve, that's when He blessed them, the Word says, three times. So to be blessed through relationship means that in the imaginary day, it's family oriented. And we're discovering that as a church, aren't we? The more that we are in relationship together and love on one another and invite the Holy Spirit, it's like the intensity of His activity amongst us is way up here. Versus a Gospel that tends to be my optic. It's all about me and my sin and my shame and me being forgiven and me getting to go to heaven. There's so much about the truth of the gospel that is about us. It's about us. Not about me. It's about us. Yeah, it includes me. It includes you. All right. We're bountifully supplied. Now, I have to, I always put the disclaimer out there. I'm not a prosperity gospel guy, but I'm sure, certainly not a poverty gospel guy. From the very beginning, God said, I've given you everything, everything that you need. See, I have given you every every tree, every herb, everything that comes out of the earth. We have to understand this, that even He reigns on the just and the unjust, that mankind, God has blessed with everything that the earth can possibly produce. So that all advancement in human technology and discovery and progress over the years It's all been the blessing of God just breathing on us and saying everything that this world has to offer is yours. As a matter of fact, that fill word is bring it to completion. Maximize every possible opportunity you can to bring the things out of the earth. But it happens through the connection. It was always intended to be through partnership with God. It is God's heart always has been that you would be Bountifully supplied that you would have more than enough access to everything that you need. Amen. And then the last one is authority based. He says to subdue it, take dominion. Make the earth subject is what that means to rule over. You are actually created to walk in authority. Of course, we know that authority has a way in which we need to understand authority. If you're not under authority, you don't have any authority. But being under God's authority, He has created mankind to walk in authority. Now take all of those aspects and imagine mankind after the fall having broken relationship with God so you remove the blessed part out of it through relationship and you get the rest of it. You get authority based. You get assignment centered. So creatively purposeful still. And making the earth subject and ruling over things and being able to access all of its resources. And what do you get? Every form of government, every form of kingdom, every form of empire that has ever lived or existed has all operated through the Missio day without the relationship part being intact. Does that make sense? So being assignment-centered. Fruitful and multiply means to be creative, to expand, to grow, to develop people. The word fill means to bring the earth to its fulfillment, completeness, utilize its resources fully. Mankind was always intended to bless God back with His achievements as creative ruling partners in relationship with Him and with each other. What do we tend to do though? And what do kingdoms and uh, empires and great nations do? They always want to rule over the other. To actually lay hold of and seize upon human advancement. To make all of it subject to them in the way that they see how it ought to work. Are, Are we getting somewhere yet? So that we're made that way, we're wired that way. The difference is whether or not we're rightly aligned in our authority with him through relationship. Romans 1 says this, if y'all want to go there, 1: 16 through23 says, "For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. We know that part of the Gospel. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation, of, this is verse 20, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. Even His eternal power and Godhead. So that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. And here's our thanksgiving part. Nor were thankful... But became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So when we have the Imagio Dei and we break relationship with God, what has often happened is idolatry. They've historically served some other gods. Matter of fact, Alexander the Great and the, and the Caesars, they were all actually considered deity. Their uh, ability to um, organize and to um, develop people groups and to uh, work in military might and to set up systems and capitalize upon the development of humankind actually gave them this status that in those days, they're like, that's a god. That's a God. He's actually capturing all of human advancement at the time. How many of you know that human advancement and progression is still going? Like we have actually uh, filled, fulfilled the earth's uh, purpose and its... um, um, (laughs) What's the right word? We have done so much more to fulfill what earth is capable of becoming it's resources, it's um, power and everything else than they ever thought possible back then. I mean, they developed roads, they developed plumbing, they developed sanitation, all kinds of things. And here we are 2,000 years later and we're still developing things, aren't we? Because the Spirit of God is actually on humanity to bless mankind, whether He knows them or not, so that in hopes in book of Acts, so that in hopes that we might grope and find Him. And that's closely related to this passage there in Romans. I guess I just want to release over you that even, no matter where you're at, that it is a gift of God for you to actually discover things that have never been discovered before. And especially when you walk in the Lord's presence and give Him glory, being thankful, will He just continue to pour out creativity and authority And blessing more than enough? Amen? So spiritual abundance is actually governed by giving of thanks. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 say this, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So that our abundance in the Spirit actually is connected or governed by our ability to actually give God glory and give Him thanks for it. You know, when when my kids, uh, kids, employees, whoever, when you're working with someone that you give a gift to, you're not very inclined to just keep on giving necessarily when they don't appreciate it. As a matter of fact, they don't even take advantage of it. They just leave it laying there. You give them some gift and they... Throw it in the corner, and you're like, oh, I really thought that was a pretty good thing, but I guess they don't appreciate it. Well, well, maybe next time I'll give it to somebody else because they didn't like it, I guess. And God's just a giver, He's going to keep on giving. But I'm saying that we can actually walk in an abundant lifestyle where the imagio Dave realigned with Christ, realigned with the Father, and realigned with one another. This is huge where the blessing of God just flows and creativity flows. What I'm saying is God bless you all in your ability to discover a niche that God has made just for you to discover. There's stuff out there that uh, you're never too old, you're never too young, you're never too poor or too rich for God to actually open up all of what the earth has for you to discover and develop. And I think that as a church, the Lord is really giving us some very special things to develop, but I'll talk about that next week. So I want to talk about this concept of the sacrifice of thanksgiving because it's thanksgiving. Matthew, you read Psalm 100 this morning, and it's funny because that was in my notes and I thought, way too many scriptures, so I took that one out. <laughs> <laughs> it got read anyways, but that's the enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart, enter his courts with praise. Uh, so there's this concept of the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and we see it in Leviticus chapter 7. Who loves Leviticus? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that fun? Leviticus is so much fun. Not not so much. Uh, it can be dry and boring, uh, but here in Leviticus chapter 7, we see all these uh, regulations and stipulations and really ways in which sacrifices take place and in the area of peace offering. Uh, we see this terminology, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And um, the sacrifice of thanksgiving, that word thanksgiving is toda, uh, but it's often translated confession too. So this idea of confessing, using your mouth, and thanksgiving kind of go hand in hand. Uh, It often had to do, it was connected to salvation. And when I say salvation, in those days, there was this understanding, especially having um not the same type of relationship that we do now with the holy spirit where he's just there all the time for us and uh, at 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 our fingertips um there was this understanding that people would often barter with god and god was actually okay with that if you look um in i believe it's chapter 12 of genesis where all of the earth had been flooded and everybody's gone and now it's Noah and his family well, that Imagio Day thing was almost repeated, or at least the calling part of it was repeated. Uh, but it sounds a little different. And one of the things that it said was, um, go forth. And it had the word go forth was like, uh, go forth and subdue the earth, whatever. I forget the exact wording there. Forgive me. But it, it meant like to wriggle, to, to wrestle. And so there was this understanding, uh, from the flood forward that there was a wrestling that was involved with this process. Uh, of discovering from God and it often people would in their calamity or in their distress or in their growth process or there's a wall here I can't have kids I I uh, I've got enemies bearing down on me I don't have food to eat whatever people would make a vow and they would say lord if you'll rescue me if you'll come through in this case I will give you fill in the blank uh the most obvious um example of that would be Hannah and her son Samuel, where she was barren and she called out to the Lord, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And so the sacrifice of thanksgiving, you see Hannah actually going back to the temple. Not only does she fulfill her vows, she said to the Lord that she would give him uh, to him for the work in the temple. And We all know that Samuel was one of the most amazing prophets in the time of King David. Uh, But she also brought three bulls or a three-year-old bull, we don't know. But she brought three bulls and she brought wine and bread and all the things that Leviticus 7 talked about doing because the idea of confession wasn't only to just speak, but it was also to come through with what you'd promised God to fulfill your vow. And I think that it's not so much that, you know, we look in um, Psalm 50 and the Lord says, Guys, sacrifices. If I wanted bulls, I owned a cattle on a thousand hills. If I wanted bulls, do you think I'd tell you? If I was hungry, do you think I'd tell you? If I was thirsty, would I tell you I'm thirsty? It's like what I'm looking for is a is a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's the fruit of our lips that, and it can't just be lip service. That we actually that that people would go and pay their vows because they're serious about. No God, I cried out to you, and you actually responded to me, and I will not forget. I will come pay my vows. Y'all tracking with me? So this is what the sacrifice of Thanksgiving is about. It's not just a bunch of hoopla jumping up and down, yelling and shouting, which that's involved. But it's this actual condition of the heart that's willing to put their money where their mouth is, so to speak. That I acknowledge that you actually did what you said you're going to do. So I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. Uh, so Thanksgiving, the word is Toda. In the Hebrew, it's giving of praise to God, adoration, confession, telling the story out loud. See how the connection to the gospel, the true story of his goodness. Psalms 107, 21 and 22 says this, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. That wonderful works that we would give him thanks, that we would acknowledge that that is God working. you see the see the connection with all of mankind seizing uh, the resources of the earth and not actually giving God credit for the fact that God blessed them and enabled them to do that that there's this thing that that just really moves the, the Lord's heart and connects us to him when we profess and confess and say out loud the wonderful things in which he's done. Let them sacrifice, verse 22, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. Ah. So to declare, that word is sapar. It means to recount, rehearse, or to count exactly and accurately. How many times do we get in a worship service and we just say, You're good, God. You're good, God. You know, it's it it is could be so much more of an enriching experience in worship if you say, God, when You did and fill in the blank, You came through for me. When I was lost in cursing You and hating You and my family rejected me, I cried out to You. And You showed up even as a pillow in my bedroom, but the Spirit of God hovered over me and You invited me into a relationship with You. Taught me by the Holy Spirit how to surrender and embrace Jesus. Rehearse to count exactly and accurately. So there is there's actually a need for the body of Christ to accru- actu- accurately convey the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think if we just go with everything we've always heard and everything that has been uh, influenced upon us culturally as Christians in America, that we just take it wholesale. You know what I mean? And we say, oh yeah, I, I have an understanding. Blue looks like this. And God wants to take us into a place where He throws us into the Caribbean and says, no, blue looks like this. Accurately. To count exactly. Oh, I'm winding up, I promise. This particular message struck me pretty hard while I was studying the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 says this This is Paul, he's in prison. And he's writing to the Philippian church. Y'all remember the Philippian church was uh, a wealthy church, but they were the only church that actually took care of his needs and helped him. They partnered with him in the gospel. And so Philippians is a really sweet letter. You read it and it's not like Corinthians where he's kind of chewing them out. Instead, it's just a very loving family type letter. Uh, But in verse 12, he says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. And so, Basically, Paul was in prison and there were people uh, on the outside that were talking about Jesus, but in a mocking way that it was just out there in public and how ridiculous is this? And kind of mocking the gospel. And you know that that passage goes on to say that he, he says, I, you know what? I don't care if it, how it gets out. Just the fact that it's getting out, it thrills me. It thrills me. But verse 12, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happen to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And I want to talk to you about right now, our per- current political climate is ripe for the gospel. And I'm not happy about the way things are necessarily, but I am. I'm so grateful. Have y'all noticed that you can't hardly turn a TV on and get any kind of entertainment without some form of the gospel? Usually a very slanderous and ugly way of depicting... Christians, somebody's preaching the gospel. And that gives us the perfect opportunity to really recapture the gospel for what it really is. And we're going to spend a few weeks doing that, unpacking what it really is. (laughs) Like I said, every... World power comes with an announcement. Let's call it a political campaign that they put a tagline on. Hope we can believe in or make America great again. Those are all Gospels. What's that? It's going to be good. Y'all get on board. Agree with us. And at the same time, they're in the background laying hold of the world's resources that's what it's really about. They're trying to sum up all things and take advantage of the progressive movement of humanity's advancement and growth and put their stamp on it and control it and say, This is, it's going to be better if you allow all of it to be expressed through me. And there's only one gospel where this is the case. I said I'd get back to Colossians, sorry. There's only one Gospel where this is the case. Where would it go? Colossians through 18 says this, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him all things consist. Now if I didn't know what I was talking about, I'd tell you that all things consist in Him so that my dog is full of Jesus or this chair molecularly is held together by Christ. It's not correct. What it means is in the Gospel of the Kingdom that all things are summed up that all advancement because of the blessing of God, they make sense through the Creator Jesus Christ Himself. So that He'll get all the glory for all of our progression, all of our advancement. His campaign. See, when we think of the Gospel, it's about how God has become King. The King of the universe is coming. And everything's changing. We're not going away somewhere someday to be rescued from something that is falling apart. No, God is coming here. His kingdom is being established even now as we speak. His kingdom is here. And we can align ourselves with the message. We can embrace the culture. We can embrace the new laws and everything. Everything is summed up in Him so that all of our creativity, It's not bad. It just needs to be subject to give him glory because he's given it to us. So it means like the elders cast off their crowns. I don't have my watch on. So as I asked the guys to do do this worship song that we ended with, because I just thought, has this challenged your thinking a little bit? Maybe shifted your paradigm a little bit. uh, You know, just tell me the truth because if it hasn't, I'm going to try again harder next week. (laughs) Uh, Father, we love you. Why don't we all stand up? We're going to worship here in a minute, but let's just interact with the Lord. Father, we love you. We are not ashamed of the gospel. Lord, you for us to have a sacrifice of thanksgiving, God, means for us to open our mouth expressively, joyfully, specifically declaring the goodness of God in our life. So Lord, for all the many things that You've given us, God, we're so thankful. And we're so thankful for the Holy Spirit. Lord, we'd totally screw this up, this up if it wasn't for You, Holy Spirit. So thank You that You're patient and loving. And I just invite You now, Lord, all of what I said today, God, it's it, without your help, it's just words. But Lord, I thank you for an impartation of the gospel of the kingdom of God. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The news, Lord, that needs to be heralded. Lord, that you have put it on our hearts and as part of our vocation to actually be those that open their mouth and declare that the kingdom of God is here. That God's presence rules. And that all things that have come before are subservient and fall under and are summed up in Christ Himself. Because You deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. So we exalt You. Just tell Him thank You, guys. Lord, we thank You for all that You've done in our lives, God. We thank You that You haven't left us alone, God. That You're expanding our capacity to love You more. You're expanding our capacity to understand and actually deliver the kingdom. Whew. Thank you, God. Is another way of just saying we agree with your kingdom, Lord, And all the changes that are coming. We actually align our lives so that when we look at the law or we look at this call to holiness and this call to a lifestyle of purity, it's not... Because God's up there going, yes, I approve or I disapprove. It's because everything's changing. Whether we realize it or not. And so repent means to just adjust your life to this new kingdom that's taking over. Hallelujah. Imagine what it would be like if we began to open our mouths with that understanding when we preach the Gospel. It would be different and there's expression and expressive ways to do that for each and every one of us so oh thank you lord well i bless you guys thank you for listening to the consumed church weekly podcast this entire service and others can be viewed on our facebook and youtube channels if you would like to partner with us in raising the next generation of kingdom bringers you can do so at theconsumedchurch.com slash give.